on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 30th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with the co-captain of the International Cup champions, the Irish Banshees, Andorra Mulcahy. The USA Freedoms, Kim Hemingway. Cooperu Kings, Emma Zilke. Yoronga South Brisbane, Sam Burgo. Crossout State League's wrap with Aaron Russell, Lauren Hodgson, Alison Schiller and Matthew Cox. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 30th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third year of doing these podcasts. And a quick reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings around about 6pm on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or by downloading to your mobile phone the RSN Racing and Sport app, then click on Carnival. So don't forget, Wednesdays about 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. And don't forget to tune into our RSN Carnival match of the round for this week and the Swiss Wellness VFR Women's Competition will be broadcasting the Round 14 clash between the Eastern Devils and Geelong Cats, played at Mulgrave Reserve in Wheelers Hill. We're on air at 1pm with a bounce down of 2pm, so join us this Sunday on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne or via the RSN Racing and Sport app, which you can download to your mobile phone anywhere in the world and listen in live. And talking about anywhere in the world, eight teams from across the world came to Melbourne to meet as part of the AFL International Cup for 2017. On Saturday, August 19th, Two teams were left standing, the Irish Banshees and Canada Northern Lights. They had played in the 2011 and 2014 Grand Finals with one win apiece. This was the decider, and it went the way of the Banshees by four points. And it's great for us to have on the line the co-captain of the International Cup Champions, Honora Malkay. Honora, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and congratulations on being crowned champions. Um, I don't think it's quite sunk in yet. Pretty good, though. It's a good feeling so far. Let's take a flashback to Head Stadium and Saturday night, particularly the last few minutes. What's going through your head, particularly for about the last four minutes? Canada had the ball a lot inside 50. They were bombing away, bombing away, coming at you, and you were having to hold the line. What's going through the head? Um, I think we were just hoping that we could hold it. They got the lead. We got the lead about 10 minutes to go, and when I saw we got the goal... I did worry for a bit that we wouldn't be able to hold it, but we did, and it was pretty relentless at the end. Um, they were they were trying to attack. Had they brought the ball out and tried to use the space a bit better, I think um, it would have been more difficult to defend against. But as they kept attacking, we knew we could have them when they kept at it that way. We, I think there was just bodies going to the ball and line and everything. It was pretty desperate at the end. Indeed it was, and just quietly in the crowd as well, the uh, Great Britain Swans and the uh, USA Freedom players were all on your bandwagon cheering you on to try and beat the Canadians. Let's take a step back for a moment, shall we, to uh, obviously when you were first heading out here to Australia for the tournament. Uh, When did you find out that you would be honoured with the co-captaincy alongside Laura Jurea to lead the Banshees? Um, I think a couple of weeks before I came, so that was a very nice welcome surprise prior to the trip. And uh, as you were coming out as well, you had to leave behind your Wandsworth Demons who you played for uh, back in the UK. Was that a difficult thing to do? And I guess it affected some of the GB Swans girls as well, having to leave a club that was bound for finals. And of course, eventually your Wandsworth Demons won the uh, London Premiership. 
Uh, yes, actually, that was quite difficult. It was a very personal gripe of mine for the year that while they're trying to promote AFL in Europe and everything, that grand final on IC would coincide. And we knew that from quite an early stage. And um, it, it angered me quite a lot. It was a decision that I didn't want to ever have to make. But in the end, when you get to represent your country in a competition that comes around every three years, it's not that hard a decision in the end, but it's not one that anyone wants to make either. Um, our club were in a very strong position going in and we had built up all year and we kind of knew that we'd be missing some players for finals. So I think it was very much a squad that we were building for the year. We weren't, we were never just depending on one couple of players. So I felt very confident that my club would be able to manage without me. There wasn't too much of a hole left. They ended up winning the uh, grand final to take out the premiership. Did you end up staying up late? I think it was Saturday night uh, Australian time to uh, watch them take the flag. I actually didn't. It was on at, I think, 11.20 Saturday night, just before our first game. So I put my phone on airplane mode at about 11 o'clock. I, I knew if I stayed up that I just want to keep watching. And at that point, I'd made my decision to come to, to Australia to play. So I said I wouldn't jeopardise that by watch, staying up to stay late. And how quickly do you think the team gelled for the Irish Banshees? Because essentially, I think you're about 20, 21 players who were based in Europe and about nine who were based in Australia. Um, I think we grew as the, the tournament developed. And even during that final game, I think we were still gelling quite near the end. Um, I think we did well in the end. I think it was quite difficult as the tournament progressed because I think individually we all knew we could play better. It was just a matter of getting everyone to, to play in the same way and to, to get to know everybody. Interesting to know your thoughts as well on a couple of uh, key players uh, that, that did well in the grand final and throughout the tournament. Uh, first of all, a woman that we caught up with uh, live on Facebook, uh, Colleen Quinn from the Ulster Kookaburras. Yeah, she did an amazing tournament. Um, she put in a lot of hard work and she started her footballing here and she did really well in the tournament. She should be very proud how about Marie Keating from the UCC Crusaders? I think Marie is quite the legend of the game. Uh, from many people that I think have played football or in, in Australia, she's an amazing player and really great to look up to. And I had the pleasure of uh, rooming with her for a couple of weeks, so that was pretty. That was a lovely experience. And uh, how about as well your best on ground um, in uh, Carol Breen from the UCS Shamrocks? Um, she did an amazing tournament. I think it was very well served. She put 100% effort in and was just a brilliant player throughout the tournament and delighted that she was on our team. And a player that we've been singing the uh, praises of, uh, Gillian Behan. Yes, what a player. She's pretty amazing. She's uh, amazing speed. It's actually just amazing to watch when you're on the pitch and she gets it. And then a couple of seconds later, she's ditched about three players and off she is towards the goal. She's a phenomenal player. I'm interested to know as well uh, when the decision was made to go with Clara Fitzpatrick for the ruck because um, you obviously have Laura Jurea in your side. She actually uh, made the world team in 2014 uh, by being a ruck for the Irish. But uh, in this tournament, you switch, you put her down back like she is in AFLW. So when did the call come out that we were going to go with Clara in the number one ruck position? Um, Clara had played in Europe last year. She started off her football based in Ireland. We had a couple of competitions um, within European sites in London and Lisbon last year. And both times she got on team of the tournament for that. 
so she was she's a pretty impressive ruckman so I'm not sure um how hard that decision was to the point I think it's also so beneficial to have such an experienced player in the backs it can really settle a team when your backline is solid so I think um to be honest I don't know when that decision was made but in my mind Clara was always a rock and talking about uh, Laura as we just did momentarily um how much did you find that you learnt personally off your fellow co-captain and Laura Duran about the way you hold yourself and, and captain aside? Um, I think I've learnt a lot over the last few weeks. Uh, it was a pleasure and honour to share it with her. And I think we both brought different things to the competition and ultimately it worked out well. Um, she's a lovely person and really got around the team and made a massive effort to know everybody, which wasn't easy considering... She was probably she was in the minority, being Melbourne-based, when everyone else had travelled. Um, she brings great confidence to the team and has such good, inspiring words to rile everyone up. So it was it was a good experience. Now, as you said, you obviously played with the side in Europe when you played through several tournaments there, including the European Championships and uh, London All Stars tournament, uh, for example. Um, over the past twelve months, who are some of the footballers you thought have? Has stepped up and really developed their game, particularly some of the debutants who first started playing the game just last year? Um, the aforementioned Clara, I think, did really well. It's only her second season playing and she's a phenomenal player and a wonderful workwoman work and everything. Um, do you, sorry, do you mean Irish-based players or general uh, UK uh, ones? Uh, Irish and uh, European-based, some that are obviously more oh, yes. play in the UK competition. Um, so Linda Connolly, our full forward, has taken up the game in the last couple of years. So I think she's progressed really well and done really well. She was a key player for Wandsworth Demons as well. Um, I think most of our players have picked it up in Ireland, actually. There's only a few um, who have played in Australia itself. So I think a lot of us started playing without having been to Australia or played it here. And for yourself, Anora, what's next post IC17? Um, I have to book some flights to go to Bordeaux at the start of October to um, hold on to the crown of European Championships for European nine side European Cup. So that's the next step. And uh, hopefully you're able to retain that title to be uh, one of the few to be able to say you hold the IC Cup and the European Nine side Championships. Anora, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We uh, wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of your stay in Australia. And, of course, uh, when you pull on the boots again for the Euro Cup and then again for the 2018 AFL London Women's Competition. Thank you very much. Nice chatting. While we're on the subject of women's international footy, we've got a piece on our girlsplayfooty.com website which talks about the pathway or lack thereof for women who are based overseas to try and make it into the AFLW competition. It has various points to talk about, about what the failings are, but some ideas as well about how we could solve the problem and try and grow the game overseas. One of the women quoted in that article is Kim Hemingway. She played for the Sydney Swans in an exhibition match against the GWS Giants in April last year at the SCG. She represented the United States Freedom when they played in the International Cup just gone, and we caught up with her during halftime of our coverage of the VUS and Spurs versus St Kilda Sharks game. Here's that interview where we chatted with Kim and asked her what her experience was like over the past three weeks in Melbourne. Uh, it's been a good time. Um, 
I'm sad that it's over. I'm kind of happy that it's over. Uh, it's a lot of games in a couple of weeks. Um, I wish we could do this every year. It's so great. Just, just to give everyone an idea behind the commitment that gets put in, both financially and what you've got to do. First of all, when it comes to preparing for this, what camps, etc. Uh, how did how far did this start out for the USA Freedom to build to the squad coming out here? So after 2014, um, immediately after the last IC, it's a start over, start rebuilding. So we had the Parallel Cup in 2015 against Canada. For that, we have a tryout and a camp, and then we play. And then the following year, we have another camp. And then for this year, we had a tryout. Um, the teams were named at last year's nationals, and then we had another training camp following that. So we don't get to see each other as a big group too much, but every time we have regional tournaments, whoever goes to those tournaments, um, they're the ones that get together and have kind of a mini session. And how much financially, because I know most of you have had to uh, do the make a champ thing online to try and try and find any money that you can raise to help with the flights. How much does it cost? Because I guess you're throwing in there not only airfares, but two weeks accommodation while you're out here as well, plus the transport of the bus taking you around from game to game and seeing things around Melbourne. Sure. Um, so we do fundraising, um, but it's pretty much all out of pocket. So plane tickets, Depending on how early you got them, where you live, um, you know, $1,000, $1,500. We started a six-month payment plan, so every six months you pay, you know, 300 bucks, and that goes into a pot. Um, The last two months were 400 and 500 so i think it ends up being around five grand per player um out of pocket and then whatever we fundraise we get we get back that is a heck of a lot of money to uh, essentially play five games of football when you get down here to australia uh we know yourself you've done a fair bit of traveling down here because uh you came down for the tryout in uh, sydney uh early in 2017 uh then, probably 2016 rather then of course uh you got to play on the SCG. How did you find that experience being there, exhibition match football, being streamed live, showing off Fox 40 and kicking three goals for the Sydney Swans? Uh, just being able to step on the SCG and play on a ground like that, it's you can't even describe how that is. You know, we put together soccer fields. We don't even have real goalposts in America. So to come over here and play on a real oval, real goalpost, and it's the SCG, it's it's like a life-changing experience just to look up even if there weren't too many people in the stands like looking up and just taking it all in like had to had to take a second and be like okay it's time to play footy got to focus on that and enjoy it after yeah, you, you took the gamble to um, go in the New South Wales draft pool, which means only one team could could uh, uh, draft you, which would be the GWS Giants. You were unlucky you didn't get picked up. Have you built up the courage to go again to try and throw the hat in the ring for 2018 and see what happens? Uh, you know, my hat's always in the ring. Um, I try to email the new coach and let him know I'm still interested if there's an opportunity. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh I don't. I, it's hard when you can only nominate for one state, um, and it's hard not living here and trying to barrack for it from another country. But you know, on that, would you nominate for New South Wales? Or have you tried to reach out, for example, Victorian clubs because there's now four in that draft pool? 
Uh, I'm not sure how the rules are, you know, for us, if you can change it. I know your nomination lasts for three years, but, you know, nobody's really talked to me about if I can change it or if I just should stay. Um, unfortunately, you know, GWS is having a tryout on the third, and I fly home tomorrow, so I'm going to oh. miss it. But um, I was hoping to put a show on, you know, during this International Cup. didn't work out too well, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we're crossing you the fingers and hoping for the best and hoping the AFL pull their finger out and make an international Wookiee B or something like that so we can get players like yourself and Katie from the USA throwing as well. Plenty of great Irish, Canadian and Great Britain girls have performed well in the tournament to play. Just quietly, uh, you've already picked which VFLW team you're getting behind. You've got the Western Spurs beanie. Yep, I've been to the Spurs since they were St. Albans, so I've been going for them for years. Um, last time I saw them, I don't think they'd even won a game, and now... They're playing. The skills in the last three years have improved so much. Uh, it's a, so amazing to see it. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. Personally, I look forward to catching up with you in a couple of months' time at the San Diego USAFL Nationals. Until then, all the best wishes, and let's hope someone gets you in the AFL draft. <laughs> thank you. This coming Sunday, for the first time ever, it will be a triple header of women's grand finals in Queensland. At Leishon Park, the home of the Yoronga South Brisbane Devils, three games will be played, kicking off around about 10.30 in the morning with a QWAFA Division 2 Grand Final, then the QWAFA Division 1 Grand Final, leading into the Bond University QWAFL Grand Final, quarter past three this Sunday. It's between the Cooparoo Kings and Yoronga South Brisbane Devils. First of all, I've got on the line from Cooparoo, you may know her best as the captain of the Brisbane Lions AFLW team. It's great to have the Queensland superstar herself, Emma Zilke, on the line. Emma, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. And you're getting used to this grand final thing uh, just a few months ago for the Brisbane Lions and now with the Cooparoo Kings against Yoronga South Brisbane this weekend. Yeah, hopefully um, can win this one, though. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Now, just quickly for yourself personally, how does it feel to be back at Cooparoo? Not just after AFLW, but last year you, you played a year at Red Lions. How does it feel to be back, I guess in quotation marks, home? Yeah, um, as you said, it is. it does feel like home. Um, I really miss the place when I left, and, it's, and they've looked after me coming back, and they've... Treat, they treat me like um, I never did leave. So, um, yeah, it's really good to be home. I live around the corner and, um, yeah, the, the club's just a really good culture there and, and I'm glad to be back. You managed to actually pick up a few AFLW recruits into your side, one of them that's been having a great finals campaign and possibly helped you get you over the line against Yoronga with five goals has been Tasmanian Jessica Wuchner. Yeah, she's been um, in great form throughout the season and she's yeah really hitting her peak at the moment. So um, having her up and firing has been um, great and, yeah, pretty much gotten us into a position um, with her left boot into where we are now. So she's, um, hopefully she can have a really good game on, on Sunday. Looking back to when you played in the major semi-final, uh, it was just five points to difference to the end result. You actually had the jump on them in the first half, I think about a four-goal buffer, until uh, they came home with a wet sail and put the brakes on you. What have you seen in the review of that game that you need to work on to try and break those shackles that Yoronga put on you? Yeah, they came home really strong. Um, I guess we've we've looked over it and um, just need to make a uh, few better decisions um, when we're under pressure and, and compose ourselves a little bit more. So I think um, we'll be working on that this week and we worked on it for a little bit last week at training. And, um, yeah, just those decisions under pressure and hopefully um, 
the, going forward we can be as clean as we were last week. That's what it came down to. I mean, essentially, you kicked straight uh, 10 goals too, which got you over the line. Uh, last week in that major semi-final, this weekend just passed when Yoronga won comfortably over Wilston Grange. They had, uh, for the second week in a row, about 20-odd scoring shots, but kicked a stack load of behinds. How do you think you're going to handle that if they come at you fast-paced again and we're looking at a, a high-scoring grand final? Yeah, look, they are a really fast team, and that's their game plan is um, get it out in space. You know, they've got Kate McCarthy, who is obviously um, the speedster of the competition, and um, we've got to try and play a role on her and really nullify her influence on the game to to really shut down their fast play. And I think if we can um, really do a good team defence on, on their key players, then we'll, we'll be able to get over the line. For the Cooperoo Kings, obviously you played a handful of games this year. You had a bit of a break because of AFLW, which was required of all AFLW players. Who do you felt from your list that are not AFLW, that it stood up and, and carried the load while you weren't able to be there? Um, yeah, we've got our generals that have been playing for years, really got some experienced girls in, um, you know, the likes of Cleo Davis, who's who's a standing captain at the moment because of our captain, actually, Sally Young. She, she did her knee in the start of the season. So she's really stood up. And, and Emma Gibson, who's been there since, um, you know, her dad played there for years. So she's been there f- since the start of it as well. And she she's grown as a player as well. So... We've got some really solid experience in in the team that haven't um, that didn't go to AFLW level, but they've really held the fort down and they're doing a great job um, while we were away. And um, we've come into a team that um, has been led really well, and they've got a really good culture. So um, it was really nice to come into that. Looking at Yurong, the South Brisbane, your opponents, you mentioned about how fast they were when we talk about Virgo, McCarthy, uh, Bates, for example. They've got Jordan Zanchetta back. But one thing that might give you a bit of a headache is their twin towers, one up four, one down back. Uh, Sabrina frederick Troy, which they picked up as a recruit, uh, helping them in the goal square. And a player that's been having a great final series and actually did very well in the grand final loss for them last year has been Cowan. Yeah, so Sabs is obviously um, the premier um forward in, in both AFLW and in Quaffle, so she's a bit of a handful when she's up and firing. Um, but uh, like I said, Cleo um, had the role on her in our semi, so she did a really good job on subs, but it's not really just up to, to one person to look out for her. It's um, a team defence back there. and um, Yeah, Renee Cowan, as you mentioned, she's um, she's so dangerous off her half-back, and she sets up a lot of their play and moves it really quickly. So, yeah, it's trying to get a, um, trying to nullify her her dominance from the back line and setting their play up will be um, a pretty big task for us. But I feel like we've done it before, and um, if we're if we're all smart enough and really switched on, we'll be able to shut that down. And hopefully, um, that helps us going forward. Now, after a number of years of the women's grand final essentially being the curtain closer to the men's, uh, you used to play after the Quaffle grand final, uh, usually around about five o'clock in the evening. It's now all different. You're hosting a women's only grand final day with a QWAFA Division 2 and Division 1 beforehand. How does that feel to have an all women's grand final day now in Brisbane? Yeah, it's uh, an amazing step forward for our league. Um, Like you said, we've had that many girls sign up after the back of AFLW that um, it's been a huge influx of numbers and to have three women's grand finals on the one day um, is a great result for Queensland footy and um, it's going to be a 
show-packed day. It starts at 10:45 um, for the from the first granny, and then ours starts at 3:15. It's the it, yeah, it's the showcase game. There's going to be yeah, like you said, about 10 Lions players. So it's going to be a really good day for female footy in Queensland. So it's an exciting day for us. Now, we've been speaking with the likes, of, obviously, with a lot of footballers here in Victoria as we do the VFL Women's. We spoke with Dana Hooker uh, from Fremantle last week about the WAWFL Grand Final. Everyone's seeing an increase of numbers from uh, in the past. We'd maybe see 50 people watching a home and away game to now four or 500 showing up at a State League Women's match. Have you noticed that increase in numbers at the Quaffle? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was on the I was on the hill at Yoronga on the weekend, just gone uh, watching the you know Yoronga play Gorillas to try and get a grand final spot. And like you said, there was there was over a hundred, probably two hundred people there. And it, and you know the crowd was really into it. Everyone was watching, and so yeah, the crowds have come. It, that that game in particular stood out, but throughout the season, yeah, there's been definitely more um, coming down to the games, especially against those, um, you know, the Cooley, the Yoronga, Cooperu games. Those go, those games attract a lot of people coming to watch because it's such a better standard to watch, and um, yeah, people are really enjoying their Queensland footy. And yourself, Emma, any uh, nervous bugs in the stomach heading into uh, this game, uh, Grand Final Fever? Um, I'm actually pretty calm, to 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 be honest. I, I think maybe Sunday might be a little bit different. Obviously, the nerves kick in once you realise the the majority of the game is going to be under pressure. But yeah, I think I'm feeling all right at the moment. I just want to make make it as normal as possible my week and hit training hard, and then hopefully um, that sets us up for for a good start on Sunday. Well, Emma, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best this weekend in the Bond University QWAFL Grand Final against Yeronga South Brisbane. Thanks a lot for having me. Now time to turn to Emma's opponents, the Yeronga South Brisbane Devils. And I've got on the line one of Emma's teammates when they're playing at the Brisbane Lions. She's one of the best defenders going around in the AFL women's competition. She's playing for her beloved Devils in the QWAFL Grand Final on Sunday. It's great to have on the line the player they nicknamed Danger, Sam Virgo. Sam, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Yeah, great. Hey, how are you? Not too bad at all. All the big grand final this Sunday, but I need to flash back about 12 months. For you and the Devils girls, has there been a bit of a burning in the stomach since that last grand final where you just went down to Coolangatta? Yeah, two points. It was brutal that day, and the fire has definitely been burning ever since. Um, yeah, we've been building all year, and, and that's definitely been a motivator in the back of our minds, uh, willing us along in the journey, and, and thank goodness we've, we're peaking at the right time and, and ready to go in the big dance on Sunday. And for you personally, uh, how do you, I, I guess, mentally switch back in from when you were playing with the Lions to now getting back amongst the game plan and the Devils? How was that progression back around April, May? Uh, look, it was pretty difficult. Uh, most of us, uh, any Lions players, had a little bit of time off after the AFLW season. Uh, and uh, the transition was quite difficult, uh, just adjusting whilst the QWAFL has uh, come a long way and, and it's definitely a really great competition. The, the drop-off was, was significant for us, but um, to, to the players who don't play for Brisbane, uh, to their credit, they've, they've certainly elevated the competition and, and it's, it's really firing and the, the quality of football is outstanding. So um, coming into finals, I think that we're really peaking and playing some 
you know, AFLW-type football for, for all teams that have been involved in finals. So, uh, yeah, it was good to have a break, but, yeah, it's good quality football at the moment. And as you said, uh, not for just your team, but across all the teams, uh, the AFLW players were absent for a number of months, obviously having that rest of the AFLW season. For the Devils, who did you felt stood up during that period to help carry the load and obviously get some early wins on the board? Uh, look, I thought um, Renee Cowan, she's uh, definitely that's come a long way. She's from a soccer background and she's come in leaps and bounds over the, the last 12 months and she really stood up in a leadership role uh, on the field. And, and Caitlin Cantrell, she stepped in as captain this year with the absence of the AFLW players. Most clubs looked outside of the, the AFLW players for their leadership group and, and she certainly come into that role with, with great energy and really leading by example. So they're just a couple that have um, sort of steered the ship in our absence but have done an outstanding job. Obviously, it takes a whole squad of players to get us where we are today. So, yeah, they do a great job. And, of course, there's been some interstate players that came up to Brisbane to play in the AFLW. And, of course, they've gone down into the respective Quapple clubs. Jessica Widgner at your opponents this weekend at Cooper Roo, for example. Uh, Nicole Hildebrand at uh, Wilston Grange. You managed to get Sabrina frederick Traub. How did that come about? Um, she likes coffee. So, you know, you just take her out for coffee and have some chats and um, no it was um, just a few conversations about where we were sort of heading and and what our focus was going to be and um, you know the standard of footy that and the culture that we have at the Devils I think really helped in that way so uh, yeah she's a a huge asset to have and we're really lucky to have her on board and her contribution in a leadership role as well as you know on-field performance has been outstanding. And talking about a huge asset to have, you got back midway through the season, Jordan Zanchetta. What has she meant to you, not just on the field, but also from a morale point of view? Uh, Yes, I mean, that was just really devastating for the whole group last year when Jordan went down with her ACL and she's come back stronger than ever. She's um, taken rehab by the horns and really um, crushed it. So she's done plenty and plenty of work to get back into the state that she's in and she's playing some exceptional footy. She played her best best game against Wilston Grange. Obviously, we needed to get the win in that prelim and she's uh, really turning it on at the right time of the season, so giving herself every opportunity uh, to get on our, on our lines list. But, yeah, it's absolutely great for morale point of view. Someone of, you know, Jordan's stature, she's been at the Yeronga Devils uh, all the way from youth girls through to seniors. So uh, what a great addition to have coming into finals. When you played Cooperoo last two weeks ago in the major semi-final, they got to an early jump and then you managed to slam the brakes on. I think they only kicked a goal after half-time. You were unlucky. You just fell a few points short. What was said at half-time or what was done to be able to try and turn that around and come back into the game? Uh, It was a little bit of a a case of classic our season, really. Uh, The Cooperoo are outstanding at fast starts and, and that was no different when they played us a couple of weeks ago and, and our starts certainly have been something that uh, we've needed to work on and has been our, not our strong point at all. We've, you know, the fast finishes and we seem to run over teams right at the end. So, um, you sort of, that was the tale of the day and, uh, you know, we were pretty inaccurate in front of goals, which really cost us, um, you know, I think we kicked double the amount of points that we did uh, goals. So that'll be crucial for us. And, and Cooper were unbelievably accurate. I think they only kicked two or three behinds to 11 goals. So um, that'll be really crucial 
um, it was a great game. It was a great game to be a part of, really high-level footy, and I've no doubt that that'll be the same again on on Sunday. But, yeah, the key to the game will be us not to let them have a fast start and, and sort of match it with them, and then hopefully we can roll them by the time the final siren goes. You mentioned about the inaccuracy. Uh, you're also a bit inaccurate against Wilston Grange, even though you won comfortably on the weekend. A lot of those misses, are they coming from set shots or is it just a case of pressure on the run, just not quite nailing it on the final few steps? Yeah, a bit of a mixture. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, yeah, a couple of set shots. I think we hit the post five times. So, you know, we, we're nearly there. Uh, we, we're really glad that we're giving ourselves opportunity to scores. And, and that was really important coming from the coaching staff to continue to to put pressure on and that scoreboard, that those goals will come and we just give ourselves an opportunity to score and keep the footy down that end and we'll get the result eventually. So that was really pleasing to see that we can give ourselves that many opportunities, but we certainly need to be more accurate if we're going to get over the line against a quality opposition on Sunday. You talk about a quality opposition in Cooper Roo. Who do you feel you have to put the brakes on to make sure that you get the flag? Uh, well, I was just talking to Wooshy, uh today actually and she kicked four goals in the first half last time we played them and then um, I managed to I sort of went across to her and kept it a one goal after that so she is really crucial for their their scoring ability and she's a very smart player so um, I think that that'll be really important to make sure that she we can keep her on the leash and make sure she doesn't get away from us but um, Britt Gibson and Emma Zilke have been outstanding in the middle for them as well so that, that'll be really important uh, to stop their run and their ability to use the ball so well out of the middle uh, that's probably yeah the three that we'll have to keep an eye on the most. Could you almost say that's a compliment to a forward if you immediately go to them? Absolutely, yeah, and that's the calibre of the player, which is uh, really worked on her craft and she's getting better all the time, so we 100% have to respect her, as we do all their players, but she's really dangerous, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll continue to watch her, but uh, make sure that we keep an eye on their whole forward line works pretty well, to be honest, so um, yeah, we're going to have to have 22 contributors on the weekend and and uh, that'll get us over the line. It's not only a big day for women's football in general in Queensland with three grand finals being held on the same day at Yoronga, but a big day for your club, not only hosting the grand finals, but you've also got your QWAFA uh, Division 1 team playing in the grand final immediately beforehand. Yeah, that's right. They had a an outstanding win this weekend, defeating the undefeated Aswee, who, yeah, they, they were sort of the form team of the year, and our girls got up in a really spirited and, and hard, hard-working day. It was really windy, and conditions were tough, and they just were really positive and had an outstanding performance. So credit to the whole club, but, yeah, it was re- two really good wins for us uh, on Saturday, and we'll just need to go into the day with the same sort of... Uh, aggression and the same sort of attitude, back each other in, and it's a it's, it's going to be a great day Sunday. The Yeronga is a great place to watch footy, and and with the three finals back to back to back, um, yeah, it'll be awesome. Can't wait. And for yourself, Sam, this will be your third grand final in the space of 12 months if you include the Lions as well. I know we're still several days out, but has the stomach, uh, pardon me, has the butterflies hit the stomach yet? Are you still a little nervous, or well, that probably won't hit till match day? Um, to be honest, when I think about those two grand finals, they, they're big motivations for me because I lost them both. So I'm starting to think that I might be the common denominator, but I'm pretty keen to turn that around this week. And uh, I'll probably get nervous maybe 10 minutes before the ball goes up. That's when I sort of 
start thinking about what's about to happen, I try and stay in the moment and try and uh, keep a lid on it and make sure that everyone around me is uh, ready to go and focused. And, um, yeah, it'll only be just before the game that I'll sort of start to let those feelings come over me and then I'll use them as soon as I get that first hit or the first tackle and, and off we go. Well, Sam, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best this Sunday when you take on the Cooparoo Kings in the QWAFL Grand Final. Great. Thanks, Pete. Go Devils. So it's time to get the verdict on who will win the Bond University QWAFL Grand Final for 2017. That's why I've got on the line for Gatta Tweed women's coach. He is our footy guru from the Sunshine State, Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, Peter, in uh, sun, sunny Queensland, uh, loving a grand final week coming up. Uh, preliminary final week just passed us. Uh, all things are looking up here, uh, especially for those teams that have made it through the granny. Well, before we touch on the grand final, we need to take a quick look back at the preliminary final played last Saturday. And they were inaccurate, Yeronga South Brisbane, but they still got the job done. 9-17-71, defeating Wilston Grange 3-5-23. Yeah, so look, Yeronga obviously come out uh, come out with a with a statement to make. Um, you know, after after getting beaten, and you know, it wasn't they weren't going to see themselves get beaten twice. So we have a little bit um, of a lighter scoreline than what I was anticipating. Um, you know, Yeronga were able to to break the game open and and, and run away with it in the end. But um, you know, it hasn't been disgraceful year by any any stretch in the nation for Wilson. They've been super competitive uh, all season and and had a had a fantastic year by by all by anyone's uh, you know expectations and um, yeah they just just weren't couldn't get quite the job done on the end and it was it was that difference between um, you know that 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 next twenty that next uh, that bottom half of the twenty two so that second half of the twenty two that um, took the field uh, for for Wilson I think were you know, Cooper Rash on those um, on on the day, but um, yeah, it wasn't for the for the likes of, of Luckins and Stanton, um, you know, Courtney Daniak standing up um, you know, for uh, for Wilson as they have all season. But um, yeah, look, uh, Yuronga obviously proving too strong uh, there in the end. Wilson started off okay; they're actually uh, one three to Yuronga's only two behind, um, but uh, Yuronga uh, kicked away at the change. Um, after that, but uh, three quarter time, Peter, they were only um, by uh, six points um, and six behind, <laughs> which is, you know, seemed to have been what uh, failed Yuronga the week previous against Cooper. So that's going to be an area they're going to really have to have to hone down on. Um, they've had all the territory um, in the second half, but their, their first half um, inefficiency uh, with shot from goal has been what's, what's hurting them. Um, you know, but uh, that last quarter again piled on another seven behind, uh, but kicked six goals with that as well to to Wilson Green who was only one behind. Um, so yeah, good to see Sabrina Freddie Prob getting on the board after uh, being held goalless against Cooperu. They'll be needing her to to uh, to fire. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll preview that game in a second, Peter. You're yes. on through to the granny against Cooperu. Yes, indeed. Sunday, it's the first ever women's triple header grand final day. Uh, Sunday, Yoronga's Leishon Park. And it looks like this with the QWAFA Division 2 kicking off the morning, followed by the QWAFA uh, Division 1. And then, of course, the QWFL grand final at quarter past three. Cooperoo are back in the big dance, taking on last year's runners-up, Yoronga South Brisbane. Uh, 
yeah, what a what a week. Um, you know, these girls will be be, be loving it, and um, you know, I think the coach will be telling them. You know, there'll be a lot of players in there, um, especially on Cooperoo's side that, that haven't haven't played played in uh, final footy or grand final, um, for that matter. So you know, I'll be telling them um, enjoy it, but obviously there's a job at hand, and you know, they've, they've seen them all year, and they've been just building week by week Cooperoo. So they've got some really experienced leaders in there who know what this this weekend's all about. So I think they'll be they'll be seeing a ship. But the other girls, you want them to lap it up and, you know, these, these occasions don't come around all too often. Um, Yeronga, on the other hand, obviously coming to this game, um, you know, coming off uh, a, a grand final defeat uh, to, to the Sido coach last year. But, look, they'll, be, they, they'll have been there and done that. Um, but it's it's their start. It really is. Um, you know, they, they last... Last week had a slow start against Wilson. Um, a week before that had a really slow start against Cooper, which you know could be um, blamed as the reason for, for not quite getting over the line in the end. Of course, we, we know Cooper uh, were really efficient going forward um, and kicking ten goals too. So um, you know Yuronga had a, had a brilliant last quarter against Cooper. Cooper didn't uh, didn't score, but uh, just couldn't get the job done and fell short. So look, I, I, if I'm Yuronga, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. We need to start and try off strong um, in control. And I think that really starts in the middle. I'd really like to see uh, Bates and Virgo both thrown in the middle with Emma Asherman. She's super hard nut. Those three in there, why not? Put put your best three in there. Get on top early in the middle. Get some control. Get the ball moving forward. Um, get it inside 50. I'd like to see Jay Grantsville further up the field. Sabrina deep. Trust her to get the job done. I know she was well held. Um, you know, two weeks ago by Cooper, but you can trust that she's going to get the job done. You can always push her further in the ground if she needs to get in the game later up in the ruck. Um, but I really like to see Bates, Virgo, Asherman around the footy. Kate McCarthy, deeper forward. I think she's the one that can really light it up. But um, I'd really like to see her doing all her heavy lifting uh, in the forward half. Um, you know, she she can kick goals, and you know, they're, they're gonna, it's going to be hard for Cooper to match up when there's McCarthy and Sabrina down there at the same time. So I'd really like to see those two um, down there. But in particular, I think the middle they've got to have uh, Bates, Virgo, Asherman in the guts from the get go. I think is really important, and the matchup for Wushner, Peter. That's that's super important. Wushner kicked five goals against them last time they played in in the uh, qualifying final. So. We know how dangerous she is going forward. So she's going to be one that I would really like to see. Um, perhaps maybe a Cowan or even a Bromwich. Um, you know, sacrifice. Um, might be Bromwich to come out and maybe play on Wushner when she's a bit further up the ground. But um, I think she's got the athleticism to go with her. She's very hard. Um, and she tackles really well. So I think she could be a good matchup for, for Wushner. Um, Kuperu, on the other hand, uh, she's going to be... You've got to, got to try and get the job done again. Um, love kicking Wushna forward since they've done that. She's really good. But the one for mine, I'd really like to see Tani White go into the middle um, a little bit more. She played majority more forward um, last time against them. I think they're going to need a bit more drive. And it, it can release the likes of Zilke, who we know is a match winner. Um, she just knows when to stand up at the right time, um, Zilke. So we'd really love to love to see her. She can always play forward. But Tani White around the 40 is one for mine. Um, Brittany Gibson can always go between forward and Zilk, so maybe even uh, Brit Gibson and, and Zilke can uh, straight swap out of the forward line uh, into the middle might be the one. But this is a really hard one to pick, pick Peter. I think um, Cooperu might have an important uh, injury um, from two weeks ago in Paige Parker. 
who's the Australian touch player, um, recruited from there. But she's been been really good for them. But uh, we, if, if she's not there, that's going to lose them some genuine pace, um, which I think Yuronga already has probably the edge on them over in that area. Um, this is really tough to pick. I don't, I don't even really want to put uh, put tip aside here. Um, look, I'm I'm been more associated with Cooperu this year. I'm I'm going to tip Cooperu to hold out again in the grand final. Um, Zilki to have a blinder. Tani White. I think they're going to throw her in the middle and unleash her. I think she's going to show uh, show show everyone who's up and coming uh, AFLW. What they current Queensland. Youngsters have got the show in the AFLW. I'm expecting her to have a big one. And Ali Anderson, um, recruited from Zilmi this year, I'm expecting her to have a massive game um, through the middle. She just she just gets leather poisoning week in, week out. So expecting her to have a big one. Um, and overall, their defence is solid. Um, and I love their foot skills coming out of the back line, particularly Kylie Lawrence. Um, and, and Deegan used the fleet beautifully coming out of there, as well as Gibson. So... Um, Oh, yeah, I'm tipping Cooperoo in another close one, Peter. There it is. It's official. Aaron Russell is on the Cooperoo bandwagon this Sunday. Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. And we look forward to catching up with you uh, next week to review what it would have been the 2017 Bond University QWIFL Grand Final. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Since we're talking about grand finals, the West Australian Women's Football League grand finals were held over the weekend, and Swan Districts took out the big one in the league, 6-8-44. So the Coastal Titans, 2-3-15. The Swans dominated from start right through to finish. And it was a great and historic day for that football club as well. They won all three grand finals on the day. So taking out the league against the Coastal Titans and over South Fremantle and East Fremantle respectively in the Reserves and Rogers Cup. What an incredible performance from Swan Districts. Let's have a look what's happening in the Tasmanian State League women's competition. Over the weekend it was round 13 where Tigers two behinds went down to Clarence 12-6-78. Bernie 3-4-22 were defeated by Launceston 7-4-46. It's round 14 this week. Both games being played on the Sunday at 12pm at Blundstone Arena. Clarence Football Club play host to Glenorchy while at Windsor Park Launceston host Tigers. Time to find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. It's finals fever there, and that's why I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, Peter. A, uh, obviously, last last round of the season uh, for Sydney Women's Footy, um, and looking forward to the final series now. Well, let's go through the uh, final round. Uh, no game played between the Stingrays and Southern Power, unfortunately, but three other games were played. Uh, Newtown Breakaways, 7-9-51, coming away winners over the Western Wolves, one four ten. Yeah, look, a strong last game by, by the Breakaways. Uh, saw them leapfrog Southern Power and finish the season in fifth position. Uh, so not a bad effort there in the second half of the year by the Breakaways, uh, who, who took a while to get their first win on the board. Uh, Laura Holtworth kicked four goals for the Breakaways and named amongst their best, whilst Brooke Atkins kicked the Wolves' only goal for the day. Sydney Uni Bombers 13-12-90 defeated the Auburn Penrith Giants 2-3-15. Yeah, look, a strong four-quarter performance by the Bombers saw them uh, have a 75-point victory in the final round uh, of the home and away season. Uh, Ellie Brush kicked four goals for the Bombers and was named in their best while Yubel and Brian Bryden kicked the Giants two goals for the day. 
Macquarie University, 15-18-108, defeated a depleted UTS Shamrocks, no score. Yeah, look, a massive win there uh, to the Warriors. And, and as you mentioned, the Shamrocks were a bit depleted, um, missing quite a few of their best players who were playing in the uh, in the uh, International uh, Cup over the last couple of weeks. Uh, a five-goal first quarter saw uh, set the Warriors up for a big win uh, to finish their season. Uh, Ferruccia and Russell kicked four goals each for the Warriors, whilst Aslan Albrick kicked three of their own, and uh, all three of those players were named in the best for the Warriors. Let's have a look ahead to semi-finals this week and and on the Saturday at 10:35 a.m. at Blacktown International Sports Park. It's the major semi. The Sydney Uni Bombers host the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays. Yeah, look, they've uh, played each other twice during the home and away season and a one apiece. Um, look, I think uh, I think the Bombers are going to get. Uh, the win uh, this week and go straight into the grand final. Um, obviously, they've, they've both had really good uh, seasons, um, but I think potentially the missing this week's uh, game against Southern Powell with Southern Powell forfeiting and uh, obviously having the loss against McUni the week before has probably thrown the stingrays a bit. So predicting it to be a close one, uh, but the Bombers to get over the line. And in the elimination semi-final on Sunday, 11-10 at Blackdown International Sports Park, Macquarie University hosts the Auburn Penrith Giants. Yeah, look, um, I think had we looked at uh, this this as a possible final, say, four or five weeks ago, um, it would have been, uh, you know, anyone's game. Um, both sides travelling quite well. But Macquarie Uni um, have really uh, kicked on in the last month. Um, so I'm expecting them to win... Uh, fairly comfortably against the Giants in their uh, semi-final. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to review the semi-finals and preview the preliminary final. Yeah, it should be some really good games, and uh, looking forward to uh, dissecting them uh, next week, Peter. Taking a look now at the UNSW Canberra Women's League, they kicked off finals on the weekend, and in the elimination final, third versus sixth, Balcona Magpies, 8-9-57, defeated the Riverina Lions, 1-3-9. In the fourth versus fifth elimination final, Quimbian Tigers, 4-6-30, just got over the line against the Ainsley Tricolors, 3 8.26. Looking ahead now to the preliminary finals in the Canberra Women's League, and we see the East Lake Demons host the Quimbian Tigers. Uh, that match 10 a.m. Saturday at Sterling 101, while in the other final, 5.30 p.m. on Sunday at Gungarland Enclosed Oval, it's the Gungarland Jets hosting the Balconnen Magpies. Let's turn our attention now to the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1, and I've got on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. Ali, how are you? Absolutely fantastic, Peter. Great weather for football. Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is uh, spring weather just around the corner. It's finals footy. We've had the semi-finals in Adelaide over the weekend. Let's have a look at the major semi first, where Adelaide Uni 7-9-51 beat West Adelaide 3-3-21. Yeah, in this one for Adelaide Uni, people seeing the, the score lines for a lot of their games. This was actually a close and tough contest. Um, it was actually played, <coughs> pardon me, in very wild and woolly conditions with the rain coming in after half-time, which probably affected the scoreboard more so for Adelaide Unis kicking than Westies. But to be fair, Westies um, came out firing, not on the scoreboard, but um, came out physically firing to try and um, unsettle the Adelaide Uni side with a little bit of action there for Christy Harvey and Tate Mackerel 
just trying to keep them honest at the beginning of the game. Uh, unfortunately for Westies, this tactic didn't quite pan out, and they were actually scoreless for the first quarter, with Adelaide Uni kicking 2-4, um, 16 points. Finally, Westies did get on the board in the second. They kicked a goal and a point, and that stayed that way into the third quarter for them as well. So Adelaide Uni went on their way in what was a low-scoring affair, and um, at the end of it, Westies kicked a, a couple goals, where, and they restricted Adelaide Uni to two points. But as you mentioned there, uh, Adelaide Uni getting over Westies by 30 points. For the goalkeepers for Adelaide Uni, they've kept their spread going with Courtney Gum kicking two, with singles to repeat um, Kelly Baltrop and Hatchard, uh, Richo and Ruth Wallace chipping in there as well. Goals for Westies with Jamie Tabb and Kate Rashid. The best players for uni, well, these names I think I've said nearly every week. You've got Nicola Burns, Courtney Gum, uh, Sophie Jet Ninja Lee, Jess Edwards, uh, Christy Harvey and Ruth Wallace. Who was actually pushed up? She can. She's the leading lead goal kicker, but she also got chipped into the midfield and outside and, and played brilliantly there for the day as well. So obviously, the loser of this game being Westies, they're not out of it. They've got one more chance next week, and they play the winner of the Salisbury Morphy Roos game. And to that minor semi-final, the Salisbury Magpies knocking the Morphy Roos out of the final series, seven seven forty nine to five four thirty four. Well, if we wanted a contest, I tell you what, this was—I got out to this game. This was an absolute cracker of a game, um, and delivered in space. And scoreline again, not incredibly high, but the toughness at the ball and the skill shown at this game were absolutely wonderful. Now, Salisbury took the early lead with the Roos um, when they fought their way back in with a fierce contest and Roos absolutely dominated the middle of the ground till half-time. Um, young Maddie Green, in her first appearance in finals after getting caught up from the twos a couple of weeks ago, she went on to play fabulously. Unfortunately, for her, she got cleaned up in the first quarter after disposing the ball, but the resultant free kick down the ground and passage of play ended up in a goal for the Roos, so that actually paid some dividends. Uh, in the second quarter, Eloise Jones absolutely monstered a goal from 50 and helped bring the Roos, and that was within a two-point ball game at half-time. Roos were actually down a couple of players as well, with some of them coming off second best in some fierce contests, including the Evergreen Ange Marie, um, but she did eventually make it back onto the field. But it was at half-time that Salisbury coach Richard Gray made his move and stuck one young Chelsea Randell and Ash Woodland into the midfield, which proved to be the difference. And if there was anything required after half-time, basically uh, Chelsea Randell did it. You want a mark of the year attempt? Check. You want an absolute monster goal from outside 60? Check. And she was absolute magic to watch. I think um, it might have paid for the ruse to maybe put Van Hagen on her uh, to run with her to try and uh, slow down some of her influence. But Paige Allen for Salisbury, one of the other Allens, uh, absolutely ran around all day getting into space on the wing for rebounding attacks. And their set up behind the ball, especially in the final quarter, uh, really took task to the roof. And I think that made a big difference. Inside work by Candace Pryor, she was absolutely fabulous for Salisbury and she was dishing it out to the likes of Randall and Woodland, and Nicole Bates-Baker was in everything and worked hard all day. For the Roos, 
Uh, Leah Cutting and Ruck actually often got the better of Jess Allen, which, trust me, is no easy feat. And she was fabulous throughout the game. Eloise Jones, as mentioned, and young Maddie Green getting into space and providing run and pressure. And, and Denny Van Hagen was absolutely in everything, and she worked really hard uh, in the game all day. Brianna Walling was excellent. She had a little pocket rocket there. Uh, Jess Searle was playing well until she had to come off with what appeared to be a shoulder injury. All in all, um, I think a lot of pundits, including myself, I picked that the Roos might actually pick Salisbury, but the Salisbury just kept pushing and kept pressing and just opened them up, especially in that final quarter. But the Roos can hold their head high for that game, Peter. They uh, did very well, and I think once they get a few more structures and things in place, they'll be a team to be reckoned with next year. But as for Salisbury, they're off for a prelim to meet up with West Adelaide um, next Sunday which should be an absolute cork of a game, the winner to take on Adelaide Uni in the grand final. And I'll get your tip for that preliminary final. Who do you think's going to take it out? West Adelaide oh. or Salisbury? Oh, you would, if you're going just purely on form, you would say Westies all day, every day. But some of the stuff and structures that I saw from Salisbury were back to how they were playing a bit earlier in the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little upset on the cards. Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to review the preliminary final and preview the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 Grand Final. Thank you for having me, Peter. Have a great week. And finally, it's time to check out what's happening in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. And I've got on the line our lead caller here on RSN Carnival in Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? I'm very well, Pete. Hard to believe we've only got one round left in the home and away season. But uh, it's already shaping up to be a big final series in 2017. Looking forward to that and recapping what happened in another big weekend of women's footy. And for some sides down the line, the ladder trying to finish on a good note. One of them is the Box Hill Hawks, and uh, they troubled Melbourne Uni for a while, going down in the end 4 4 28 to 6 12 48. Yeah, and it was the second quarter where they really came out firing. Uh, only scored 117 in the first term to the Muggers, 3 3 21. Bounced back in the second term to only be trailing by four points at half time. And from there on, the Muggers were able to steady, but I think as we've commented several times throughout the back half of 2017 for the Box Hill Hawks, they've been able to hold sides to account. They've been able to get a couple of wins on the board as well, which is extremely impressive considering at the start of the year, no one expected them to win a game at all. So their development has been going uh, very, very strong in the back half of 2017. And to be troubling some of the top sides, they had a good crack at Diamond Creek a couple of weeks ago. And now the, the Muggers, um, they're going along very, very nicely. Finishing off 2017 very strong, they'll bounce into 2018 full of confidence. On the Muggers' side of the coin, they probably should have uh, done a better job in this game and, and had a bigger win against Box Hill. Just to make a little more of a statement, they've got a tough game this week against Diamond Creek, so they'd be wanting to be cherry ripe. And if they're not playing 100% against the bottom side of the competition, maybe you ask a question, although they've had a good couple of weeks coming into the game, so I suppose you can't ask too much. Seaford, the long season for them continues 1 2 8, going down to Darabin 21 9, 135. But if I'm correct off the top of my head, I think Katie Brennan kicking seven. 
Uh, eight. Eight. Uh, according, according to the, uh, scorecard here, Daisy Pierce kicked four. Simpson with two. It was just a day out for Darabin firing at the moment on all cylinders, although I still think they've got another gear to go, which is scary as, uh, the finals are just about upon us. Um, that the, the, the all conquering Falcons, uh, still have a little bit of room for imp- improvement. Uh, heading into the last couple of games of the season. And as you say, for uh, poor old Tigerettes, I said last week on the show that the consolation for them would be if they were able to get a couple of goals on the board and and make some sort of respect of the scoreline. Unfortunately, they weren't able to achieve that and uh, their poor 2017 continues. The BU Western Spurs 4-3-27 going down the St Kilda Sharks 13-8-86. A day out for the 100-gamer Jasmine Garner. Yeah, awarded our best on ground and gee, she was uh, pivotal for the Sharks. Not only hovering inside, attacking 50 and kicking a bag, but uh, also running uh, up up and around the half-forward area and even onto wings at some some stages. I remember calling a passage of play or witnessing the passage of play where she took the ball on centre wing, gave off the handball, kept running, ended up receiving the footy and kicking a goal. don't think that was something she would have been able to do 12 months ago. So that's real credit and shows the development that she's gone through throughout 2017. Set in the call on Sunday that I reckon she's approaching the bracket of uh, the Katie Brennan-esque type of player. Um, not quite there yet. Still think there's a little room for improvement, but not a hell of a lot. She's a great contested mark, great kicker for goal, and uh, now also has a bit of endurance in her tank. And for the Sharks, they needed to make a statement. They've had a couple of poor results recently, been a little inconsistent, as has been a trend of the Sharks' side for a long period of time. It was good that they were able to come out under a little bit of pressure. It was a crunch game against the Spurs who were trying to keep their season alive with finals. Unfortunately, it looks like they've just run out of gas. They put in another good, uh, solid quarter, um, even though they trailed 3 3 21 to 1 2 8 at quarter time. I, I think they were still in the contest at that point in time. And just after that, unfortunately, they faded out a couple of their big guns, including Mifsud missing from the side on the weekend. Leisha Newman, though, made a, a good return after a, a little injury layoff. Um, so it was good to see her up and about kicking a couple of goals for the Spurs. But the Sharks marching towards September, which is good to see. Geelong 11-8-74, defeating the Eastern Devils 5-5-35. An intriguing matchup as well at one stage. Mick Hutchins has been playing forward of late, and she went toe-to-toe with Anna Teague. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting matchup. Would have got your money's worth uh, watching that. And just looking at the scoreboard for, for this game, probably thought it would have been a little closer, although we know that uh, the Devils have a, a few injuries on that list. Um, so unfortunate for them, probably couldn't put the best side they possibly could out onto the park on the weekend. Um, going down 5-5-35 to 11-8-74 would be disappointing for them. Of course, uh, the quirk of the draw sees these two sides play each other this weekend, so you'd hope the Devils would be able to rebound for the Cats, even though it looks as though the season's done and dusted now and they can't make finals. Geez, they've been impressive throughout 2017. They started off 
in blistering fashion, winning the first three games and, and shocking the competition. And even the back half of the year, it hasn't been as exciting, but uh, they've been consistent, which I think is good for the Cats and bodes well heading into 2018. For the Cats to make the finals, they would need the boil over of Cranbourne being St Kilda. And talking about Cranbourne, they went down to Diamond Creek on the weekend, 2-4-16 to 11-4-70. Yeah, and gauge, gauging off for that result, I think it would be incredibly difficult for uh, Cranbourne to overrun the Sharks. But Diamond Creek, uh, a nice win here after a bit, little bit of a scare against Box Hill last round. Uh, back here with a comprehensive victory. Chloe Malloy kicking three goals. She remains in front on the goal-kicking table, but only just by four goals. And if Katie Brennan's able to kick a bag against the Spurs this weekend, look out, Malloy, who has been leading the competition all the year for the goal-kicking. Let's look ahead to round 14 of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. It's the final round, and we see at 12 o'clock, at their traditional home ground, AH Cap Reserve, Saturday football, Darabin versus the VU Western Spurs. Am I right in saying this is the first time they've played on that ground this season, Pete? That would be correct. That's uh, wondering how they're going to go with that. Obviously, AH Cap Reserve's a, a much smaller ground than what they've become used to at Bill Laurie Oval and, and playing a couple of games at Preston City Oval, which are a much larger Ground, so uh, wonder if uh, the versatile side that Darabin has become is able to squeeze back onto AHCAP Reserve and, and get the result. You think they would? They're, uh, they're the standout side once again of the competition. I can't believe I'm saying that after uh, the way they were looking after round four. Um, it's just scary to believe that they're the top side of the competition once again for the VU Western Spurs. Been a tough couple of weeks for them. Uh, as I said before, it just looks like they're starting to tire after what has been a very good season. They're in contention for most of it. At one stage, I think they're even on top of the ladder. So they've had uh, some highs this year. This is probably the, the low point of the season where they have just struggled to find some confidence and momentum in the back half of the year and, and string a couple of games together when the pressure was on and when they needed to take charge. And um, unfortunately for them, they've faded away. Um, so hopefully they can finish off 2017 with a respectable performance against Darabin because the last time these two sides played, the Spurs probably held them to account for a good term. Let's see if they can hold it for two or three. Sun, uh, pardon me, Saturday, 2pm at RF Miles Reserve, Seaford meet Box Hill. Can Seaford get a win on the board in 2017? That's the question. Uh, I think about a month ago you probably would have pencilled it in. Now you'd say it's going to be a hard ask. They are playing on RF Miles Reserve, which uh, is a great ground in itself. But uh, I just think the Hawks, considering their form over the last uh, month and a bit, um, they should win this game and win it quite comfortably, which is sad for, for the Tigerettes. They go through 2017 without a win, most likely. Um, and considering the development and where they were heading towards the end of last year, it's a real disappointing result for them. The battle for second spot on the table is between Melbourne Uni and Diamond Creek. Now at an earlier start time at 10.45am on Sunday at Uni Oval. 
This is an interesting game because we know that these two sides are, are likely to face each other come finals in 2017. So I don't expect all cards to be uh, played in this match. Uh, probably a few plan B, C's and D's to be uh, seen in this game. Um, and also, too, it would be interesting to see how Melbourne Uni respond after being beaten comprehensively earlier in 2017 in the game that we called out at Plenty War Memorial Park. So it be interesting to see how they go. They've found a little bit of form, but I'd be expecting the Creekers to get this uh, one in the bag and finish off what's been a good home-and-away season for them. The sequel, the Eastern Devils meet Geelong for the second week in a row at Mulgrave Reserve this time 2pm Sunday. Yeah, on the, the home deck, the Devils trying to finish 2017 on a positive note. They were one of the ones coming into the year that were probably expected to do some good things, uh, challenge for a top four spot uh, again and maybe go a little deeper into September action. But unfortunately for them, injuries have played a significant role and uh, the management of some of their AFLW stars hasn't helped either. So they've had a disappointing year. Hopefully they can cap it off with a win on Sunday. Given Geelong's recent performance, I doubt that, though. I think the Cats to get the job done in this game, finishing off what has been a brilliant 2017 for them. And finally, the St Kilda Sharks host the Cranbourne Eagles 2pm Sunday at the Peanut Farm. Yeah, as you mentioned before, uh, if Cranbourne pull a rabbit out of the hat, uh, it could cause turmoil for the top four, but I doubt that that's going to happen. I think the Sharks will uh, continue to build in, in towards the week off and then the first week of finals. They need to be firing all, all cylinders, as we said on the weekend. I think the best thing for them is to have a good couple of weeks where they build themselves full of confidence, know that they can back themselves and take games on when it matters against some of the top sides of the competition. And to do that, they need to play games at 100%. They did that against the Spurs on Sunday. They need to do it again this coming Sunday against the Cranbourne Eagles, and I'm expecting them to do that. Well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you this weekend for our RSN Carnival VFL women's coverage. Yeah, looking forward to it. And just the, the subplot reminder, keep an eye on the goal kickers across the weekend. Uh, Katie Brennan currently sitting on 27, has had a couple of good weeks. She's kicked a bag of seven and a bag of eight, trying to chase down Chloe Malloy, currently sitting on 31 goals. So that's a bit of a subplot as we head into the final round of the 2017 Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. Well, that wraps things up for yet another week. Before I go, a quick reminder, you can download this program as a podcast by going going to either SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts on Thursday mornings. There's a new episode each week and just searching for Girls Play Footy. You can follow us on Twitter, Girls Play Footy, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Girls Play Footy, and check out our website, girlsplayfooty.com. And don't forget our Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Match of the Day for Round 14 is this Sunday when we broadcast the game between the Eastern Devils and Geelong Cats from Mulgrave Reserve live on air from 1 p.m., RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne, or via the RSN Racing and Sport app on your mobile phone or tablet. Until next time, I'm Peter Holden. It's been great having your company. It's bye for now.